Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. everyone, it's uh, Roxanne. How are you this week? I'm, I'm sure you're hanging in there like we all are. So today I have a, a colleague. Uh, I met Dana about a year ago. Uh, Dana is a, a professional speaker like myself. Um, I actually just got accepted in. Uh, she was the membership person that got me involved with uh, um, CAPS, which is the Professional Association for Speakers in Canada. Dana actually knew someone in common, and we got connected that way, and we, we've uh, been attending meetings for quite a while. Uh, Dana's uh, done a lot of things, and I have a bit of a bio. So, Dana, thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Roxanne. So, Dana's, uh, I'm going to literally, be, it's, it's, it says becoming a badass. She's a bit of a badass in life and <laughs> business. Uh, you know, being a badass in life and business requires you to stand in your power and be super comfy with being unique. Uh, Dana knows all about standing out and being unique. Her personal brand of the inner dominatrix, which is, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, I can't wait to hear about that, pushes people out of their comfort zone, challenges their perceived notions that has them stepping into a fierce determination to rock their bold. And that seems like it should go with red shoes, Dana. Uh, sexy, <laughs> fun-filled lives. Uh, Dana is a two-time international number one best-selling author a two-time awards uh, winning speaker and Dana's commitment is to living life in command of her, I was going to say divine feminine, but feminine power <laughs> and helping others connect with her inner dominatrix has made her a sought after speaker and coach. Wow. I like it. Thank you. So I know recently um, Dana just, uh, I just bought a copy of her book and I have not read it. So I will say that up front. So okay. I have to get to that. Absolutely. Uh, so Dana just recently uh, launched your book. So maybe we should start there, Dana. Sure. Um, what's that? I know it's been a whirlwind. So, yeah, it has been a whirlwind. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All of these things are like an epic undertaking, but so this is the first of a series and the series is called The Inner Dominatrix Guide. And of course, this one is called Become a Badass in Business. So the book has been um, a journey for me personally, because in this book, I've brought in a lot of my personal story, a lot of the you know, stories from the dungeon. So you know, really kind of pulling back the kimono wide open and sharing all my vulnerability in the story and you know, bringing the lessons of that world and how they relate to business and how people can step into the mindset that they need to really show up and grow the business that they're looking for. Now, until Fifty Shades of Grey, none of us were talking about this kind of stuff, right? And then it became kind of, I'm going to use the word vanilla because everybody was talking about it. <laughs> yes. So I want you to, I, I heard your story and um, it was a year ago. Um, to be able to represent her chapter in uh, Ottawa. So it was mm -hmm. a pleasure. I saw you and some other fantastic um, other speakers. So I, I have the pleasure of, of knowing your story or what 
was it five minutes? That's all I got. Anyway. I know you just get a small <laughs> little segment. So and I'm like, okay, tell me more. So I have to, <laughs> I have to get out and see your keynote sometime. So, Absolutely. you know, Dana, I often say that, you know, we all have a path, we have a story. And obviously you're mm. saying that in your book, you're sharing that. Um, tell me kind of what, I mean, obviously you're speaking, you're coaching, you're doing lots of things out there. Where did, where did your story begin? I, you know, it's been this evolution, you know, people say, oh, where did it begin? I don't know too many people that have a really clear cut beginning, but, you know, to kind of walk people through quickly the journey. So when I graduated school, I was a massage therapist. And so that was back in 92. And over the years, my work evolved. And gradually, actually very quickly, I started to having to bring in energy work and psychotherapy because I found that was really what was going on for people. What was keeping them stuck physically was more of what was in their head. And so my work progressed and evolved into more of a coaching model. And eventually I just realized, you know what, really I'm doing coaching and I'm being underpaid for it. So I decided to retire my license and and go full time into coaching. Now that's that's one stream. Now along simultaneous with that, in 1999 I opened up a massage supply store, and went through the journey of you know having staff and inventory, and then eventually going through a bankruptcy, and having to lay everybody off. And it's in that journey where I started to realize that the skills that I had in my personal life of being a dominatrix, which was, you know, again, concurrent with all of these things, everybody's lined up, right? (laughs) So um, I was a dominatrix in my personal life and had a real strength going on there, but I wasn't bringing that into my business. And when I took a really hard look at why the business failed, you know, beyond the, oh, we had too much inventory or we had staff making mistakes and, you know, shipping the wrong product out. So we had to ship it out, ship it back and ship it out again. The underlying piece was that I could see that I wasn't being the leader that was required. And the leadership skills I was leaving kind of segregated into my personal life and not bringing them into the business. And then in with that, I started to look around at other women in business, particularly women. And I noticed that, you know what, there's a lot of women who do not stand in that power. They do not stand in that leadership in a way that's unapologetic and yet still quiet, soft, and feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really wanted to bring this inner dominatrix as an archetype for women in business. Amazing. So, I mean, most of us, you know, females, you know, uh, you and I, I think around the same kind of uh, age category, we grew up and we, you know, we, I mean, at least I know in my family was like, yeah, achieve. But when you get out in the world, you get those implicit messages that say, oh, it's all well and good, you know, however, <laughs> there's that, <laughs> that, you know, what they say, the glass ceiling, it's really there and mm-hmm. you keep bumping up against it. So a lot of times what ends up happening, I remember when I was in corporates, I was always bumping up against it and you're like, mm-hmm. is it because I'm female? Is it, if I say too much, you know, I'm quote unquote, you know, the aggressive one or the, the one of a bad word, the bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be do, doing no different at the corporate, you know, table than my other male counterparts. So it kind of, you know, a lot of, t- after a while, you kind of, you found your groove <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to be able to get done. And sometimes you would back off. I know I would at times. And because I'm the only one generally maybe, or some women would, but when it came to like kind of formalizing things, they'd back off. 
Right. Yeah, there's there's a it's a fine balance in that you know, women haven't been seen as, you know, the leaders or assertive. And so when they do step up, they're afraid of being called the bitch. And it, for good reason, because, you know, we have been when we stand up. And yet there are ways that we can lean into our feminine strength that calls people to task without being masculine aggressive. And I think it's when women get into the masculine aggressive energy is is when they more likely get called a bitch because it doesn't feel the same. But you know, it's it's I think it's more of um I know for me one of the analogies is when you think about the stereotypical black woman, you know, mama, right? Don't nobody mess with mama. And it's that kind of energy. She is strong. She is feminine. And yet, the, like, you just know you do not pull anything with her, right? Because <laughs> you're going to get a cuff upside the head. And I think if women you know, in business and in the boardroom were to actually pull a little bit more from that feminine strength, um, lean into it, people would show them more respect naturally because it's not you're not trying to copy what the men are doing. You're, you're bringing your own authentic strength into the scenario. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. But sometimes what ends up happening is it's difficult. You're trying oh, yeah. angles, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, and I saw it, you know, in the, in the 15 years kind of in consulting. And sometimes it would be blatant. And then sometimes, you know, you would see females above you. And I can think of, you know, one particular female that was, you know, two ranks above myself at that time. And she was brutal. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then you think, well, you're female like me. <laughs> you're, you're getting the same tide, except you're two up from me, you know, kind of wanting to kind of, I guess, um, be able to relate, to be able to think that, you know, you would kind of understand what it's like to be female, you know, a female in the ranks. And sometimes, you know, it was easier to deal with the males at that rank than it was that, you know, and I'm not saying that of all, you know, SVPs that are female, but in, the, in my opinion, the one that I was exposed to did it quite poorly. Yeah. And it's, it's challenging because realistically women have only been in the workforce for a um, hundred years and, you know, moving up the ranks for probably the last 50 or 60 years. So we don't have a lot of history to draw on. And, and whereas men have had a very long history of working with other men and they have developed this camaraderie and, you know, here I'm going to mentor you, I'm going to pull you along. You know, the, the women who were leading the way, you know, I give them kudos. They had to fight and claw and and so you know they probably were burnt out and didn't have anything left to give to the women who were coming behind them now it was short sighted but i do i you know i completely forgive them it's like how could you like you, you just you have spent so much fighting and clawing and i think the next generation that's kind of coming behind you and i they're seeing where they need more collaboration. They need mm-hmm. more mentoring. And, and in our generation, I see more women reaching down to lift up. And so I think, I think that's going to change in the next 50 years. I think we're going to see a, a lot more collaborative, a lot more mentoring. And, and we need it. We absolutely need it. So the, the burning question I have, mm-hmm. which I'll go deep. I'm sure you've heard this a million times. As a dominatrix, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are the translatable skills that you bring to the boardroom? And when you think of women, 
how do you kind of um, introduce those concepts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So here's, here's what I see is, you know, if we look at the dominatrix and turn her into an archetype, um, she is authentically confident because when you step into the dungeon, the moment that you step in, you have to show up fully. You have to be holding this space, holding the energy and holding that, you know, presence. Otherwise, the submissive will not believe you. You know, they can smell fear a mile away. It's like you have to be on. There is no faking it. And I think that's a really big piece for business is that, you know, we've been taught for a long time saying, you know, fake it till you make it. Faking it doesn't work anymore. And especially when you want to lean into a feminine power, that's not faking it. That is that quiet confidence in which you have to like own it in your body. So that's probably the first one. Next one is in negotiation. So obviously, you know, for people who know a little bit or have watched Fifty Shades or read Fifty Shades, um, there's a negotiation that happens prior to any scene. And we talk about what's, what are you willing to do? What do you want to do? What do you never want to do? And then, you know, and what do I want to do and what I never want to do? And you play within the zone of what overlaps. So you're, you're negotiating, you're never compromising. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's another piece, you know, for corporate or for business that women can really lean into not compromising anymore win, win, or no deal. Mm -hmm. And both of those skills, and of course, you know, there's a bit more, but both of those skills require us to get to this place where we're letting go of the judgments of who we think we are, who we should be, how we think we're going to show up. And, you know, the more that we untangle from those, um, all that burden of who, you know, how we think we should be showing up when we start to untangle from that, then we're free. We're free to move and we're free to just, you know, show up authentically, show up as us. And naturally we're going to come from this place of negotiating with ease because when we're not confined with what we think we should be doing or what we think we're going to lose and all, all those shoulds, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, let's just show up and play the game. Mm -hmm. It becomes easy. Wow. That, that sounds like a nice place to be, right? It's kind of like when you go into the first time to a corporate customer or something like that. It's, it's what I hear you're ready. You know, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but it's a bit of a poise, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Because if you're yeah. going in with that perspective, you're kind of, you know, you got your dress on, you got uh, a presence, but really bigger than that, it's about the space that you're embodying when you're entering that situation to say, I bring value, I bring expertise, I'm here you know, bringing what I know I can help with, and I'm here to really understand you and not go right into, you know, um, you know what I can bring to you because mm -hmm. you're, it's, it's like a win-win. If you're talking about that subset, which I love that, that, uh, that uh, word you used, of the, between the do's and the don'ts and finding that part of the circle that says, really, on a corporate level, what are your needs? These are my offerings. You know, mm -hmm. what is your Where mission? Is overlap? Yeah. Yeah. Mission, what's your vision? And if it's corporate yeah. culture, you're really kind of, it's helping you zone in. Yeah, it, it really is. And it, you very quickly get to, you know, are we a good fit? And, yeah. and if it's not a good fit, then you just say no, because trying to fit, you know, that square peg in a round hole <laughs> is trying to fit the client that's not 
the, the right connection into your services. So sitting down and just, you know, objectively being able to go, am I able to serve you? What do you actually need? And what, what do I have that can, that can work for you? And if not, who else can I send you to? Yeah, I like that because, you know, especially with, you know, if you're, let's say you're shifting um, arenas then you know, if you're going, mm-hmm. um, let's say you're starting to speak professionally, right. And you're going out there, yeah. uh, you know, you're kind of thinking, oh my God, can I do this? You know, can I, you know, what presence am I bringing all those things? But if you've kind of worked when I, what I hear just clearly, and you tell me, Dana, it sounds like a mindset. Very much so. So okay. it's a mindset from that starts back away. So a lot of people talk about mindset and you'll think about, you know, even with you know, the classic Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, right? That is in, in essence a mindset book. But for most people, it doesn't actually address what is getting in the way of you having that mindset. It's one thing to say, I'm going to think positive. I'm going to, you know, see a good outcome and, you know, I'm going to muscle my way through this. Okay. So here's my thing about willpower. Willpower is useless. And um, if you think back to like grade six science and you take magnets and you know how you have magnets and you take, try to push the two south poles together mm-hmm. and no matter how hard you push, they just repel at the same strength that you are pushing. That to me is willpower. So you can get close, but you'll never click. Mm-hmm. And you burn yourself out. And especially for women, we burn ourselves out, pushing, 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 pushing for willpower instead of taking a step back and say, okay, well, why don't I get, you know, get rid of what it is that's preventing me from showing up authentically, which is all of our internal judgments and the programmings and all the, you know, all the interesting, fun things of our monkey mind. If we eliminate those, then it's easy to show up and you start to move into the place of feeling passionate about what you're doing. And then it's easy to engage the client or whatever it is that you're doing. Or it's easy for you to go in and ask for a raise or (laughs) any of those things because you're not pushing. And for women, it is vital because the minute that you get into push energy, you repel everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. That magnet pushing them away and they just, you know, they flee. But when you flip the magnet around, you have the North and the South Poles trying to click together. They just pull each other together and it becomes easy. And that's what we want to move people towards is, you know, ditch the whole push, hustle and grind. Sorry, Gary Vee, I think you're totally <laughs> wrong. Um, and, you know, being able to dig into our passion so that it propels us forward. I like, I like that example. That's a very nice example. Thank and- you. How many of us have done that? I know I've done that through my career several times, right? Absolutely. And, and then if you just kind of slow down and flip around a bit, all of a sudden then things start to flow. Now, with women, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest stumbling blocks that you find get in their way at achieving this kind of mindset? I think um, two major things. One, I'm not good enough comes up in any number of variations. So I'm not good enough for this job. I'm not ready. And, you know, Cheryl Sanderson spoke about that in Lean In. The women will wait until they are 110% ready before they go for and apply for the job. Mm -hmm. You know, so the I'm not good enough, it, it shows up. And then, you know, two is this worry about being judged. And, you know, for... 
again, this is like centuries of us as women being judged for our appearance, our stature. Are we good mothers? Are we bad mothers? Are we, you know, should we even be in a job? And, you know, again, this is fairly new world for us to be in the corporate world. And all of those, you know, judgments, we are constantly being labeled and, you know, put in little boxes and we take that on. So we need to unplug from that conditioning Mm -hmm. so that we can show up, you know, just as ourselves without fear of how are we going to be seen? That needs to go and it can go. And that's another area where... I love pulling from the dominatrix world because let me tell you, as a dominatrix, the first thing you have to get comfortable when you start talking about the fact that you are or have been, you are going to be judged big time. And you right yeah, in a, in a massive, massive way. So yeah. it's it's not just being okay with the judgment, but I take it a step further and it's like I want people to use that judgment as fuel, to use it to your advantage and actually be so comfortable with your, you're like, bring it on. I love it. Bring it on. Yeah. To be honest with you, that is the, one of the most courageous brands I've heard since I've been involved in speaking, honestly, because I, I kind of sit there and go, Oh, okay. And I'm sure you get that. But when I hear what your thought is about it, now I understand, I understand it more because I don't know that I've ever really sat down and talked to you about it. Because if I am okay with who I am, mm-hmm. the what, then who cares about the label? Right. Right? And I mean, obviously with our society and not that there aren't bigger problems in the world, but we, you know, people judge. We're, we're naturally inclined to judge. And the thing is, is that it's not, we're not trying to change anybody from judging because we can't. Mm-hmm. But we can change how we respond to it. So our conditioned response right now is to put up a big wall and trying to deflect it, which is as effective as trying to block somebody who is running at you. Mm-hmm. No matter how strong you are, you're not going to do that. They're, you're both going to be bowled over. But if you instead were to you know, let yourself receive that judgment and just let it go on through and say, okay, thanks, that's great. And, and there's a long conditioning that goes with that, like in training. So I can say this, but please understand that there is some process to get there. But it's like the difference is like you have that person running at you and instead of trying to block them, you move out of the way. Mm-hmm. And they just, they fall without you. Mm-hmm. And so that's the difference. We have to let ourselves, you know, just be okay with it, to be able to receive it in a way that it's like, it's all good. It's just going to go right on past. So how do you, with female executives or people that you work with, mm-hmm. how, how, how do you kind of help them? And I, I know you said there's steps, so I, I, I know you yeah. cover it all. <laughs> yeah. How do you kind of start to harden them up in that way, right? Because like, you know, sometimes... You know, you see super confident women and then you, you, you get to know them better and you're like, oh my God, that it's a facade, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So what kind of things do you do, uh, you know, to harden, I don't know if to, I don't know if harden it's up not is hard, the right well, word. Not quite. I wouldn't call it hardening up. I would actually call it so, uh, softening because we're, we're taking the layers off. Okay. So, so the process that I do with people is, is very interesting in that we look at, um, 
you know, the judgments and, and what I call the energetic charge that we have on two sides of the equation. So we have in ourselves, we have this, you know, judgment say of I'm not good enough. And, and you have, you know, bugaboos about the fact that you think you're not good enough. And then you have bugaboos about what it would mean to actually let that go. And so it's like this polarity creating this internal conflict and it, it creates a disruption. So mm -hmm. there's this constant disruption. And the process that I take people through, which we don't have time to get into in depth, but basically it clears off the energetic charge on both sides and then you're left with a choice. You're left, and the choice in this case would be whether or not you want to continue to judge yourself as not worthy. And if you clear off the charge that's that's been created around why you need to hold on to it, why that's you know important, why you took it on, we clear all of those off. You're not going to naturally want to see yourself as broken or you know unworthy because your natural state, and this is, this gets a little bit into the higher level consciousness, which I love playing with, but your natural state is to see yourself as a divine being. Mm -hmm. And in that space, there's never anything wrong with you. You're not broken. You're not scared. You're, you're not any of those things. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's bringing people back around to connect with who they are authentically. And it's a lot of, it's this process of untangling them and once you untangle, then it's just a choice whether they move forward or not, which is what makes it easy. Mm -hmm. It's not forced. It's not, I have to do 50,000 affirmations. I don't have to, you know, do any kind of repetition. I'm not having to like, you know, lift a hundred pounds at the gym before I'm ready. It becomes easy. We just mm -hmm. remove the baggage that's there and then they show up. They're brilliant. They're natural brilliant. So I, I see a lot of people who are absolutely brilliant, but it's like they've got this crusted cocoon around them. Mm -hmm. And I come along and I pull off all the layers of the cocoon. And then they're like, oh, hey, fabulous. I feel fabulous. And I'm like, well, you've been like that all along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just were carrying some baggage. So that's kind of in a nutshell what you know, what the process is. And as we go along, then I can start to connect them a little bit more to the idea of, you know, it's like, if you are this divine being and being willing to receive any energy, because what if energy is neither positive nor negative, mm -hmm. right? We start to go into some of those bigger concepts, which again, the, the down the road. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's fascinating. So once you kind of get them, you know, um, outside of the cocoon, mm -hmm. then, then they can really start to listen naturally to who they need to be. Absolutely. Do you, yeah. find, do you find, because in our roles, we take on so much that sometimes, um, I'm going to say systems, that's probably not the right word, but uh, all the responsibilities that women have actually impacts that space to get to that space does it make it more difficult um yes and no i mean it's <laughs> that was me i'm sorry <laughs> get, okay so you know it's interesting for a lot of times when i work with men um even though i don't you know specifically market to men but sometimes men gravitate towards me i do find that they untangle a little faster um, and I think sometimes with women, it's, it is that um, feeling responsible, feeling like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
I'm the one who's the nurturer, the caretaker. And so sometimes it's, it's kind of, you know, prying their fingers off of that responsibility to be everybody's nurturer and caretaker. Mm -hmm. Once that is loosened off, it's a lot easier for them to start to be what they call selfish, which is the caretaking and, you know, getting, letting go of the baggage and stepping into being powerful, stepping into asking for what you want you and really claiming what it is that, that you're good at. Those are the things that, yeah, sometimes it can take a little longer, but it doesn't have to. It's actually, it still can be fairly fast to untangle from it. Well, I'm sure because once you kind of, I, I always go back to, you can't unknow <laughs> <laughs> right. This work, right? Because now you're like, oh my goodness, I may, maybe I have some things that push and pull at me. Maybe I'm at a certain stage. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I can't do, you know, I think of what I can do now with a 17 year old where, where I, when I was in consulting, he was four. Like, I mean, and there was so much I wanted to keep going, but then again, um, I couldn't to some degree because then I would miss him. So I had right. to find that balance and get that because I could have, but then I would have missed really, really significant things with him in the stage. So it's sometimes it's kind of being able to have those conversations with yourself, like what is the goal, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I can achieve any goal, but then is it the goal that I want at that time? Right. So I'm sure you could probably talk a lot about that with women. Now in reference to, um, other than mindset, what other things do you kind of pull from the dominate? I'm going to say model. I don't know if that's the right word, but the Archi- archetype is what I tell Arch- you. Archetype. Yeah. What, what other things do you pull into your coaching from? So I'd, I'd say there's a, a really strong um, energy component, you know, the, the woo spiritual side of things. So um, intuition, your gut instinct is a really big factor. And, you know, women have this naturally, but we just fine tune that so that you're willing to actually follow it. Because, you know, the example I always give to people is that, you know, your intuition has never been wrong. Never. And you think about it. Like there is nothing in the world that is 100% accurate other than your intuition. Now, where we get in the way is that our monkey mind, you know, steps in there and, you know, wants a certain outcome. And so then questions the intuition and thinking, oh, no, that can't possibly be right. Or, you know, it's, it muddles with it. So I do an intuition boot camp training with people and get them really connected so that they're listening you know, the way that they need to listen so they can hear the messages and also really willing to follow it. And then what that does, of course, is that it always moves you towards where you want to go. It may not always look cognitively the right decision, but it's always leading you exactly where you need to go and you can kind of like rest on that. That also speeds up your kind of your decision-making process. Like, you know, you can do your decisions in five seconds or less and, and you don't need to be, you know, scattered and running all over the place. You can be more efficient with time. Um, the other thing is being really present, being really mindful. And when you are present, you're in a state of relaxation, which, of course, we know all the health benefits, right? When we lower our 
stress level, when we lower that stress response, get into the relaxation response, the body goes into healing, you have deeper breathing, which gives you more oxygen, which, you know, all the amazing benefits of being in a relaxed state, you also have more cognitive processing ability when you're in a relaxed state. So you're going to come up with more creative ideas and solutions and be able to, you know, be there with the client and negotiate from what they want as well as what you want and, and drop into that. So it's a lot of energy and attunement. Yes. With the core, like the core real self then I hear. Yes. Yeah. And that from there, then they can kind of project forward where they want to go based on the goals that they've come to you with. Yeah. Wow. That's, that sounds amazing. So the book, so tell us about the book. Tell I mean, I know I've seen it all over and um, <laughs> tell me what's, what's been going on. And I know it's done quite well since it's been released. We, yes. Yeah, so we hit, uh, we hit number one, which was awesome. great. Hit number awesome. one in three different categories. And um, more so than that, I, you know, people are reading the book, really connecting with the story, seeing themselves in it. This is, these are the things that I'm hearing. It's giving them a completely different perspective on, uh, on business, a way to access their mindset. And, you know, it's, it's just so amazing to have people say, I loved your book and it really changed my life. Like that for me is like, okay, great. It was worth the 18 months of agony that it took to write this thing. Then, you know, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so people are looking at it and they're really gaining stuff from it. They are because it, it's very packed with tools. It's not just my story, <clears throat> but it's I've packed in practical tools of you know that people can apply, use in their life, get these you know processes going to get started on really claiming your inner dominatrix. What was that experience like for you writing the book? Because it's so much of it was personal, I'm <laughs> yes. sure, and and I mean obviously you're blending today. Um, prepared to write the book like how did you did you do a, did you have a certain ritual you said it took 18 months yeah it was um it was a bit haphazard you know I would do it differently looking back because it's always easy to see hindsight but um for me I had a general plan of what I wanted to cover in the book and I always kept in mind you know the the reader that was who I was writing this for. It was, it was the person who was going to be reading the book. And so when I was figuring out what stories I wanted to include and, you know, what aspects I wanted to share, it was always like, you know, why do I want to tell this person the story? Mm -hmm. How do I tie that in? And, you know, why it took me so long because, you know, the actual writing process, I probably could have done in a month. Okay. Um, but I would write a chapter and then, you know, have to take some time to actually process for with, with me, you know, I'd go and get some sessions and work through, am I willing to share this? You know, is this a story that is really valuable? Is it going to be too much? And, and it went through a lot of edits because I wanted to make sure that the stories were there that created impact, but not so much that they were traumatizing because that's not the point. It's not to be sensational. It's just mm -hmm. to give people a flavor of it without being shocking and, 
you know, jarring. So I, I you know, one editor, poor thing, she was like, oh my God, you, you have to change this. <laughs> so, <laughs> this. This is a little extreme. You might trigger people. You know? So I'm like, okay. So I went through a lot of rewrites on the book to, to take it deeper, to, you know, make it more succinct, to make it more concrete and bring the language in. So it was a, a really good learning process um, for me all the way through that. And, and I'm very proud of it. It's, I, it's a very it's, good, it's a good it's like your, It's like your baby, right? Like, I mean, I remember when I wrote mine, mm. it's like, you know, you're like, oh my God, and you're, you know, you get your book box and you're like opening it up and you're like, oh my goodness, this has actually yes. happened. It's, it's, it's such a process and such an achievement, right? Like obviously, and then, yeah. like you said, you know, if someone were to kind of hear the brand, they would think that's sensationalism, but it's not, right? And I think yeah. to do it well, to your point, you had to, and then you had to take care of yourself too, right? Because mm -hmm. how much of this really do you want to share with the world, right? right? And I'm sure there's parts of it that it's nobody's business. Right. Uh, and then if it, if it marries into um, some of the great things that you've shared, that you share with your coaching clients, and when you speak, that's mm -hmm. a whole other thing because that now you're giving back a gift of a concept that most people won't, um, you know, obviously they'll probably read about it, like we said, but they may not experience it, but to a lesser degree, having uh, someone be so open um, about the strengths of it. Because oftentimes, we may not look at it as from a strength base. Yeah, yeah, right? it's, it, takes, it takes courage to, to share your story. You know, it's, it's pretty easy to write. Actually, this is my second book. The first book was very easy. I, it's a book of tools, right? right. It's a page-a-day book of tools really easy. I, I wasn't risking anything. This one, I have risked so much. You know, in some of the stories, as I, like you said, as I was writing them, I'm like, wow, okay, people are actually going to read this. <laughs> I want them to know this. Right, right. But there was a, there's a point to all of the stories. I don't share them just to be, you know, hitting that, ooh, look, that's sensational. Right, for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you've been asked um, lots of different interesting questions about the book. What's <laughs> yeah. one of the most interesting questions that you've been asked about the book that you can think of? Um, I think we've kind of touched on a lot of it because, you know, people are fascinated with the story and, and it's always, it amazes me how many people say to me, were you actually a dominatrix? <laughs> right. They're like, were you actually, I'm like, people would fake this. Like <laughs> I'm going to put this out here just because like, I like, I'm not, sure you, I'm not sure you can fake that because you can't fake it. like really and you ask that of me like I don't know so that that's kind of funny um plus why would you go for a topic I mean I, I can't even boost a post on Facebook because it's got the word dominatrix right so there are a lot of challenges with this I don't think oh is it wow yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that until recently but <laughs> it's like oh great um but yeah, that, that, that's, that's one that always surprises me. Were you actually, is like, yes, I was actually, because apparently, um, who was it? Gloria Steinem. She was a stripper very, very briefly. And apparently she wrote a book about being a stripper. And so somebody oh. referenced that and she said, you know, were you actually a dominatrix or was it like with Gloria Steinem, she was a stripper for five minutes and then wrote a book about it. And I'm like, uh, no, I've integrated this. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, what I, what I find fascinating and even away from the business perspective, more on the story perspective, you know, mm -hmm. that so many people have stories, right? And they're so afraid 
to mm-hmm. tell to tell them, right? Mm-hmm. If someone's listening and they have a story, Dana, and you know, they're thinking, "Oh my God, I don't know." It's, it, it, you know, I may tip, but what would people think? Um, mm-hmm. All that. I'm sure you went through all those iterations of Absolutely. things. Absolutely, yeah. What would, you, and what, I, would, what would you What would you tell them? Is there a process you went through before you decided, or what um, kind of advice would you give to someone to say if you're going to make a, a difference? You know, I'm yeah. sure that was the biggest thing to make a difference in the world. Absolutely, and and I'd say if you're if you're planning on sharing your story, so either through a book or on the stage, or you know, even in a group setting, and, and you're wanting the story to make an impact. Um, a, you need to be done with your story. You, you need to be over it and so that you can tell the story without reliving it and becoming highly emotional. So you need to be through it and you need to be through it in a way that you see the gifts that have come from it. So, you know, in my, in my story, you know, I have had sexual abuse in my past and I have gotten to the point where I see the gift. I would not be the coach and the healer that I am today. If it wasn't for that, I would have loved to have gotten the gift a different way, but I see the gifts of it. So you have to be that far along that you can look back and go, wow, what a gift. When you're at that point, it'll be easier for you to tell your story because you have to take people through the whole journey to the healing, to the outcome. And, you know, and then, and then I would really encourage people, if you're going to go professional with it, speaking or writing, work with somebody, mm-hmm. get somebody to help you craft that message and pull out what is it about your story? I mean, I've had, um, I think four different speaker trainers at this point helped me with the messaging, helped me with, you know, my performance. And I've worked with book coaches and writing coaches to help me craft all of this. And because when you're really up close and personal with it, especially when it's a a painful story, you need that objective Mm -hmm. perspective and you need the objective perspective that can say, what if you tell it this way? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I worked with complex PS, PTSD. It's one of my specialties. Mm. And I can truly tell you that you saying that it's a gift um, will touch a lot of people's lives because so mm. many people that I have worked with or um, it, it, it impacts things at such a profound level, right? Yeah. So to be able to get to you can look back as a gift it shows like how much you have um put it into perspective because that's not who you were it's something that happened to you and it takes a lot and so many uh women in the world have experiences of course with everything that has come out Mm -hmm. so i think that in of itself saying that it's a gift shows me the the extent of your healing and where you have worked through it and then you're writing through it again yes so being able to care for yourself is going to trigger things Mm-hmm. But to be so, you know, concurrently, you're you're obviously you come first. If you, I mean, what's the book or the brand or all those things? If there's no Dana, so right. doing that in a in a, uh, I would say a kind, caring way for yourself first, really is the part that I see as being um, so important. Which obviously you've done that. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate you honoring that. Yeah, I know because I, you know, like I said, it being one of my specialties and mm-hmm. seeing um, the impact of it on people's lives, just even people listening to this that have been touched, and we know, Absolutely. you know, how many people that in of itself. I think if you, when you 
talk more about it and people recognize it, that yeah. gift that you give people to recognize that anything is possible. You are not defined from what happened. No. You can, you can rise out of it and create something like this. So I think that's uh, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, for the listener that it's like, if you're not at the point where this could possibly be a gift, whatever your story is, don't rush it. Mm-hmm. Keep doing healing work and it comes naturally. It's not something you force. It's not something you have to impose on yourself. It comes from that deeper level healing and and it just bubbles up where it's like, wow, if I didn't have that happen, I wouldn't have been able to do X, Y, Z. And and it's, you know, it's there whenever it comes. Mm-hmm. You have control to decide how it's how it's gonna go. Yeah. And you decide when, when and if it comes out in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, Dana, I'm sure everybody has a lot of questions and people <laughs> will probably want to connect with you and, um, you know, where to get the book, all those things, or even um, if there's uh, where people can reach you for speaking events. So why don't you tell everybody where they can um, find the book and if they need yeah. to reach out to you for either coaching or speaking, where they can do that. Thank you. I think the best resource is innerdominatrix.com. That'll get you the book. It'll get you links to you know a bunch of resources, free resources, tons of freebies. Um, and then anything you need as far as contacting me for speaking or coaching is available there as well. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. Now I, you know, I, now I know more, right? <laughs> Other yeah. than our flashes that we see in our meetings. And I, know we'll, <laughs> I know we'll be in a meeting again next week. So, you know, again, time I I do a podcast I I gain and and today I can honestly say that um, mindset is everything Mm -hmm. and I think in the business world we hear it all the time but this takes it to a different profound level in my opinion because it really takes something that scares the living bejesus out of a lot of people and looks at the strength that it it creates when you take control over where you see things in your life especially as women Um, Mm -hmm. and then you know, deferring that I'm not good enough. Um, I can't do it. That's not for me uh, to really get into that whole mindset or that model that Dana is talking about. You know, I'm impressed, you know, to be able to walk in with that confidence, which takes so many of us so long to be able to achieve really um, yeah. as we go. Um, so uh, Dana, thank you again for uh, being with us and, um, for anyone uh, wanting to get a hold of Dana, please go ahead, uh, like she said, with her contact information. And myself, if you're wanting more uh, information on authenticity um, and getting connected to yourself and in relationships, you can go to roxanderhodge.com forward slash blueprint where you could download a free course. So take care, everyone, and we'll chat with you soon. Take care, Dana. Thanks, Roxanne. Okay, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.